We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. I'm Public Affairs Officer Taylor Henry. And today I'm talking with Father Robert R. Cannon, Chaplain, Colonel, U.S. Air Force, retired, now serving as the Chancellor here at the Archdiocese. Father Cannon, welcome to our little podcast. Glad to be with you. And uh, so today we're talking about the upcoming For God and Country retreat, which, uh, as we've said in some of our news releases, is uh, an ongoing effort by your office and the Archdiocese to invite uh, already ordained priests to consider serving as military chaplains. Tell me a little bit about the upcoming retreat, uh, more about its purpose, what you'll be doing with these priests, where they're coming from, the whole thing. Well, the origin of this particular retreat was to provide an opportunity for those priests who are considering being a military chaplain and experience basically a taste of the different service branches uh, to also allow them to have an opportunity to speak with the different recruiters from the different uh, service branches. And again, in their discernment process to have a little bit more information in order to know how do I go about this? Who do I talk to? And in some, really, to uh, just provide all those bits of information that they need to make a good choice and discern whether this is a call within a call. So it's been very, very effective. This coming uh, June, we'll be having our, I believe, our fourth Forgotten Country. And from that, we've gotten a number of priests who have gone into uh, the different service branches to serve as as chaplains. As you know, there's a, a great, great need. So it's been uh, highly effective, and I I have to say that each one of the service branches has really done a great show-and-tell for them because each one of the service branches has its own culture, and for them to see the different cultures, to talk with chaplains from the different service branches, again, provides them that that information they need to say, well, is God calling me here or there or whatever? So it's been very, very effective, and... um, it's very intense. It's intentionally designed to be uh, a condensed opportunity, again, for them to gather all of that. So they don't get a lot of rest, uh, so to speak. Each day is jam-packed with visiting different military installations, talking with uh, Catholic communities at those installations, giving them as much real-life experience of what a chaplain does, serving our men and women in the military. Uh, so it's really a very rich experience. And the dates for this retreat are June 25th through 29th. Correct. It will be here in Washington, D.C. Right. What, what the Archbishop uh, likes about this is that the D.C. area does have a lot of rich opportunities for them to be able to experience uh, different pieces of military life. So part of the schedule is they'll be going over to Joint Base Anders Nav to um, see that whole complex there as a joint base see you know some of the military aircraft that are available talk with pilots uh, have an opportunity to talk with air force members and their families about the importance of having a catholic priest as a chaplain then we go from there to arlington to watch an actual committal service of one of our fallen uh, one of our veterans then to also then uh, pray with folks, to have dinner with the, with with uh, with individuals um, from those different uh, communities, 
And uh, then one that's really kind of fun is going down to Quantico and watching a live fire drill where they see our young lieutenants and going down the line, uh, taking out targets. And here are these chaplains uh, to be, whatever service branch, with helmets and their body armor on, observing. So it, it, it's meant to provide them with a dramatic uh, experience. And we're recording this for the benefit of our listener on May 21st. So we're just about a month, a little over a month before the retreat. Where do these priests come from? They come from all over. There are certain uh, qualifications for them to be able to attend. One, they need to be uh, either American citizens born in the United States or naturalized citizens or green card holders. Of course, there are age restrictions because of the military itself and also physical health requirements. Got it. And uh, so you say this is the fourth. Is this going to be an annual event? What we found is that, um, and this is what we did this past year, is when we had inquiries regarding um, uh, priests interested in, in becoming military chaplains, what we've done is we just basically told them about this particular retreat for them to schedule it uh, and put it in their calendars and uh, to look forward to it. So we're able to develop a good roster for the entire year. So to answer your question, once a year seems about uh, the right length of time. And what was the catalyst for this retreat? Is it the chaplain shortage? A couple of things. Um, typically, when you have a priest that's in a diocese or religious order uh, community priest, he may have not had an opportunity really to talk with anyone who has been a chaplain. They may have bumped into somebody, but typically, it's uh, they've heard about becoming a military chaplain through all of the certain you know the service branches that put out their letters and things like that uh, and their recruiting efforts. But there was no one stop shopping place to answer their questions. So one of the things that we like to say is that to be a military chaplain is a call within a call of priesthood. And typically, for instance, myself, I, I would get phone calls from, from priests. Well, how do I do this? How do I do that? Uh, how do I approach my bishop on this? So lots of different types of questions. What service branch should I be going into? And so the Forgotten Country Retreat, again, is that very, very condensed opportunity for them to be able to get all the answers in their discernment process whether military chaplaincy is right for them and what service branch. And as you know better than I do, Archbishop Brolio has made recruiting new chaplains a priority because of the shortage. Absolutely. And the beautiful thing about this particular retreat is that the Archbishop commits all the funds necessary for these individuals to be able to come to this retreat. They just need to uh, reserve the time and we'll take care of the cost. And Archbishop Brolio uh, told the Bishop's Conference a couple of years ago that the chaplain shortage is desperate. You've been out there on the front lines firsthand for a period of 25 and 29 and a half years in the United States Air Force. Did you see the uh, diminishing ranks of the uh, chaplains in the Air Force while you were there? I felt it myself. I was, uh, when I retired, I retired out of Travis Air Force Base in California. 
and it has the largest medical center in the Air Force in the continental United States, uh, Davis Grant Medical Center, where they have like 1,200 patients go through there a day. They had a coronary care unit, critical care unit, um, intermediary, intermediary uh, care unit, and I was the only priest for months. Um, and when you're dealing with 25,000 people on a base, uh, six, 7,000 military folks, a, an allied reserve wing or co-associate um, wing, um, you get the idea that my neighbors wondered if I actually lived in my house or not because they really didn't see me. So at Travis, they used to have three Catholic priests, and I was the only one, and I was also the wing chaplain. So the workload was very, very intense. Sounds like 24-7, 365. You need to really love what you're doing. <laughs> uh, typically, how many masses would you celebrate per weekend? Well, you'd have daily mass, basically Monday uh, through Thursday. And then on the weekend, we would have three. We dropped the anticipatory mass on Saturday, so I'd be able to get a day off. Um, even if I wasn't celebrating that Mass, if I had an auxiliary priest come in from the local area, I still had to be on deck in case something happened at the hospital. So tell me a little bit about your personal background. I know you have, I don't know how many master's degrees. You're finishing up your uh, canon law degree, your credentials. Let's see, where do we start? <laughs> I, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Venice in Florida. And I have been in the reserves since I was studying in Rome in uh, 1986. I was commissioned as a first lieutenant in the Air Force Reserves. So f during the time that I was in Italy, I would go to Aviano Air Force Base and basically help the priest that was there so he could get time off to go away. And that was the first time that I was actually aware of how short we are at that time uh, in the late 80s. So I continued in the reserves, and when I um, came back from studying in Rome, I was attached to McDill Air Force Base in Florida, in Tampa, Florida. And again, uh, just my presence, being able to do my reserve duty, and then a couple weeks of active duty as a Cat B reservist, uh, the priest that was there was just very, very grateful to have another priest come in and, and help him out. Um, and then Desert Storm kicked in, and Central Command was right there. And it was, a, it was very, very good that I was there because part of my reserve duty was also going over Central Command and um, administering to the folks there, making very, very difficult decisions at a traumatic time of our country. So I uh, continued there. Then because I had worked with young people, I had been a, a professor at a college seminary, dean of students, I was asked to go to the Air Force Academy. So I went from McDill to... Uh, the Air Force Academy, and that was just an incredible time with some of the finest men and women that our country has to offer our nation. So I was there for four years, and then I got a phone call and just said, well, we need you to go to Langley Air Force Base, to Air Combat Command Headquarters. <laughs> and I basically said, can I just stay at the Air Force Academy? And they said, no, we need you to go to, to Langley. So I went to Langley, and then from Langley to the Chief of Chaplain's office, and you mentioned very briefly my academic background, but uh, I used to joke that I didn't realize that a Baptist chief of chaplains of the Air Force needed a canon lawyer 
as much as he did <laughs> because of the uh, various Catholic issues that uh, come up at that that level. So I was able to give him real good um, guidance uh, and insights into, you know, he was Baptist and, and he loved you know, taking care of our Catholic folks, but he needed to have the right information. And so how many master's degrees do you have? Five. <laughs> oh my gosh, what are they in? Well, I have the typical Master of Divinity, Master of Theology, a Master of Education, Guidance, and Counseling, a Master's Degree in Urban Anthropology, a License in Canon Law, Additional Year of Jurisprudence, and uh, Marriage Law. And I'm finishing, finishing up a dissertation in Canon Law. Very impressive. I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not an academic geek. It's just worked out that and I learned this phrase from a wonderful Air Force officer he had on his desk, evolve or dissolve. And we need to constantly be growing and developing uh, to be able to deal with the issues of today. So academics is one way of improving your skills and broadening your abilities to help people. So getting back to the upcoming retreat, what are the uh prerequisites what are what what does it require what you know what are the qualifications required for a priest to make this retreat well, the first thing is is that they really have to have a desire to serve our men and women um, in the military and it's a unique kind of spirit that a person has to have because it is truly a missionary spirit uh, and it's very very sacrificial people talk about uh, the pay that one receives as a military chaplain, and I'll be very honest with you, it's hurtful when I hear people think that guys just go into the military for the for the pay. Um, there is no way in the world and no not enough money for any military member to go in because they got great pay. And other than other kinds of service folks like firemen and police officers and such, where you're being asked to put your own life on the back burner and lay down your life possibly in caring for the needs of the nation. So it's an honor as a, as a military chaplain and as, and as a priest to be able to be with them in the different contexts of their lives. And so as a military chaplain, uh, you live, eat, and work with the folks that, uh, that you serve and pray with. You also deploy with them and you're there when they are depressed, when they're wounded, when they're elated, when they're promoted, uh, where you celebrate with them, and also you're there if they die. Where, where are some of the other locations that you've served besides uh, what you just uh, told me about? Are there others? Or are there... Well, after being at the Chief of Chaplain's Office, uh, what happened was I was rector of our cathedral and diocese of Venice in Florida, and it was shortly after uh, 9-11, 2003, the two-star chief of chaplains at the time, Chaplain Potter, asked my bishop to have me come on active duty. I was attached to, as a reservist on her staff, and I just renovated the cathedral. I'm sitting really good, and um, she calls me on the phone, and she says, I spoke with your bishop, and he's released you to active duty. And I said, excuse me, ma'am? So I went down and talked with him, and he says, well, they really need you. So to make a long story short, that was in January, um, by March, I had surrendered the cathedral, packed up whatever I could in my car, drove up to, um, to 
Bolling Air Force Base in D.C. here. And two days later, we were at war in Iraq. And from then on, I was put on extended, what are called manning personnel assistance tours, like 179 days back to back. And eventually, the uh, chief of chaplains, Chaplain um, Baldwin, when I was finishing up, and this was now like in 2008, I said, well, sir, if you don't have anything else for me to do, um, I'm going to go back to my diocese. And he said, I want you to come on active duty and we'll just, just, and I said, well, sir, it'd be a little strange me coming on active duty as a reservist at my rank. And he said, so? And I said, well, there's going to be some people who won't like it. And he went, so? He says, talk to your bishop. And I said, I will. And then you know, I was assessed as uh, on to active duty formally. What are some of the unique problems that uh, folks in the military face? I suppose that, uh, like, the general population, you know, we all have our spiritual journey. But I'm sure there's some issues that are peculiar to the military. Can you uh, maybe talk well, about raise, some of those? You raise a very good question. Most people don't understand this. The reason why we have Catholic priests in the military is because military members form unique people of God that have particular pastoral issues and concerns that require clergy, priests, um, to be able to uh, address those issues for them, to have shepherds walking with them. So they, again, they form a unique people of God that require uh, priests that are familiar with their issues and concerns. So that's, that's why we have um, priests in the military to provide the sacraments and pastoral care that is unique to our Catholics in the military that typically make up anywhere from, depending upon the base, uh, 19 to 23% of any given population. So that's the reason why priests exist uh, in, in the military and, and serve our men and women. Regarding particular issues, the same issues that you would find in a parish, but some of them are um, more uh, sharp mm -hmm. because of the burdens that our men and women carry as military members, separations, uh, marital issues that are unique because of deployments and other stresses and strains. With the downsizing of our military, it's put increased pressure, the workload on individuals. For any military member worth their salt, the mission has to get, get done. And often uh, what happens is that that extra time that they would have had uh, that would have been devoted to their families, they don't have to give. So it's a form of sacrifice that most people don't under, understand. And I suppose along with that comes, you know, some of the, you know, life issues that we find everywhere, addiction, uh, post-traumatic stress, and moral injury, I suspect, are much more prevalent in the military population. One of the things that we've come to understand more and more is that being wounded is just not being wounded on a physical, um, uh, and just being wounded physically, or being wounded psychologically. One of the areas that is being explored and uh, understood at, uh, as we look at PTSD is the notion of moral injury. Those are wounds that are inflicted on an individual because of what they've had to do in, in the military. Many of our veterans often did not have the opportunity to really talk about what happened to them. 
I'm thinking, for instance, of our Vietnam, Vietnam vets and, and others who were exposed to horrific realities. Um, and moral injury is as serious as a physical injury, probably, um, I would say, more than even a physical injury. Physical injuries you can see. Um, psychological injury you can't see. And moral injury you can't see either. Mm-hmm. And that's at the very level of, of meaning. And when I say that is that in order to be able to do uh, sacrificial things, um, things that are just so beyond the pale of normal life, and to do that, those, those things willingly take lives, um, be exposed to all sorts of, again, violence and things that most people would not experience. You have to have a deep center of meaning to make that meaningful. And without that, the woundedness that happens being exposed to different types of, of uh, horrible tragedies and injuries and other kinds of experiences that go along with much of military life, you have to have a very, very deep center of meaning. And for us as Catholics, it's our faith, hope, and love that gives us the encouragement to face the issues that military life provides. And so as a Catholic priest, we have entree to those folks to be able to help them at that level of moral injury. For the priest out there listening to this who thinks he might have a future as a Catholic military chaplain, what would be the next step for him to pursue? Well, you'd, you'd ask about qualifications. I, I wanted to just add to that. They, typically, a person should, should not be beyond 40 or 42. In some instances, they can be. Uh, and part of that is that um, life is just really very, very difficult. And uh, you need to be physically up to speed. And there are some other requirements like citizenship and that sort of right. thing. Right. And uh, in your health, you cannot have any kind of major medical uh, issue to come into the military. Father Robert R. Cannon, Chancellor for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, thank you so much for talking to me today. And for any priest out there who is interested in making a future for God and country retreat, what should they do? They can go to our website, and they can certainly email me if they are interested. They can also call my office, and it's all on our um, our Shasson website, and we'll get them uh, hooked up. Any idea when the next retreat might be? Well, we're trying to again do this uh, once a year, so again, uh, June of 2019. Thank you so much, Father Cannon. It's been a pleasure. Thanks.